Talk about everything and nothing at the same time Catch us Tuesday afternoon when it goes live Always bringing something different each and every time You know that, you know that Talk about everything and nothing at the same time Catch us Tuesday afternoon when it goes live Always bringing something different each and every time You know that, you know that, you know that All right, and we are back here with The Wet Down, episode 34, featuring our friend Justin Reese. He is a lawyer and an actor. I didn't know he was both of them when I was researching him. I kept, this lawyer dude kept popping up. I'm looking for the guy on Bravo. And I got the, finally the third page of Google, the, uns, the never before seen third page of Google before I realized it was the same damn person. But uh, Justin, welcome here to The Wet Down. It is a pleasure to have you, dude. Fellas, fellas, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm super excited about this one. We were talking before we started recording, and I think we're all gelling really good. I'm, I'm really excited for this one. No, absolutely, absolutely, fellas. I mean, again, first and foremost, man, I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate the hospitality. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to this one, fellas. Thank you for coming on. Thank Most you for giving man. us some of your time. We really appreciate it. You got it, man. All right, boys. How, how, was, our, how was our week in the wilderness away right, from kevin. the group you start kevin <laughs> oh, why, why is that uh, <laughs> oh man i just uh, you know what i realized i don't like people sorry to be blunt but like the customer service for me like dealing with people and customers on a daily basis it's just not for me like being in the kitchen like when you're a line cook you're usually in the back of the house right you got your servers that basically serve the food the soup the food for you right and then you got the host that answers the phone. One person that's doing all of that. I don't know. It's just not for me. Little, come on, a little elbow grease and hard work isn't for you. <laughs> it's not that. Come it's on, not dude. That. The restaurant's think... air conditioned. It's air conditioned. No, it's not air conditioned. <laughs> you get to eat discounted got... food. You get unlimited drinks. I worked in food service. I know what it's like. Mm. Come on. Sack up, guy. What I'm saying <laughs> is. I don't like customer service. That's the side that like, that's just like retail. Some people don't like retail. I just found out that I just don't like customer how about, service. How about you sit, how about you sit in a, you, you work in a bakery on a, on a 95 degree July day where it's 110, 115 in the bakery and you go outside into 95 degrees to cool off. Mm. How about you do that? But then, then you, then you come complain to me. Well, my boy works nights in Texas, man. He's a he's a he's a diesel mechanic. I was like, you ever gonna work I, in the day? He goes, dude, it's Texas. I went, yeah, you're right. You got a point. <laughs> yeah, dude, you I, know what? It still doesn't matter at nighttime in Texas and Louisiana. That humidity is no joke, man. So it still feels like what it is during the daytime. So I had, um, I think it was a week and a half, two weeks ago ish. I had this company. I've been applying to jobs for when I graduate next, my MBA next year. I've been applying to a bunch of places in Charlotte and Dallas specifically. And I had this company say, Hey, we want to interview you. And I'm like, awesome. I looked up the company company. I was like, this is the exact kind of company I want to work for. And, but they reached out to me and I went to review the job listing on indeed or LinkedIn or wherever. And to see, to see exactly specifically what company it was. And I could not find this company in, uh, that I applied for. They say, we love your application. We want to interview you. And I just, I can't find this. I cannot find this application. So I really, I think they either mixed up my 
email with someone else who applied for it or they just found it and emailed me. But anyways, so we set up the e or we set up the interview and uh, it's with the company president and I won't say the company or the guy's name, um, but they don't show they don't show up. Literally, they confirmed the interview like a half hour before it started. Yep. All right. And I sat on the call for 20 minutes before that, before I was like, all right, screw this. <laughs> so I was like, ah, you know what? It happens. It happens. No big deal. Uh, I'm at work two days ago. Uh, I work for a bank and I get an email and a, and a text message from them. Hey, we'd love to, we're happy to reschedule your interview. We understand life happens, but please know that we only reschedule inter, our, or we only reschedule interviews for our candidates once. And I was, and I, I literally responded. I was like, yeah, I'm more than happy to come interview for you. Um, and I said this in the email. However, I was on the call for 20 minutes. I reached out to you guys on the call and the next day didn't hear a word. So I'm rescheduling for you guys, not the other way around. <laughs> I felt so bad. I felt so bad for the poor um, HR lady who Why? had who had to re and had who had to put up with my pissed off shit because it wasn't her fault. It was the um, the guy who didn't show up, the president. And I said that on the interview as well. I was like, "Yeah, I was looking forward to meeting you last week, but uh, something happens. I get it, dude." And the cherry on top of this weird job interview thing is all of his money got stolen out of his bank account. That's what happened. No, it, it did, not. It did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hacked you, bro. I'm, I'm on the call. No, it's all a legit company. It's all legit. Everything I, I, I do, I do the check the backgrounds and everything. And I get on the call. It starts, and there's the president, the guy who's interviewing me, and a third guy. And I'm like, okay, it's someone else from the company. They want two heads, not unheard of. And it was another candidate. So they literally interviewed me and another dude at the same time. Oh, what are you working for, Hollister? Wow. <laughs> I, dude, it was the weirdest shit. I had never heard of that before. Yeah, so, dude, that's weird. That, that does is, happen. That is, that is so bizarre. They do I, I group like interviews board, everywhere. Yeah, they do it's group not, interviews. It wasn't even a group interview. It was just me and some other and some other guy who were going for the same position. It's it's I like the final was... duel, the final duel of the yeah. apprentice or something like that. We're having tryouts. <laughs> why should you get the job? It was and weird. Tell it me was... why he shouldn't get. It. No, tell me why he shouldn't get it. It was really it was like weird. Dude. An interview debate, basically. Yeah, I should have just started roasting the candidate. Be you want to hire yeah. that guy? Look at him. He can't even tie his like tie his own shoes, dude. His mom probably did it for him. Like, come on. Like, you could have funny just, because could've run with it, it. It's funny because it was a quote unquote real adult of real adult age, and me, the snot nosed twenty two year old, just out of college, and I was like, oh, yeah. I don't even know what what the job was because I didn't actually apply for it. So I literally just <laughs> showed all up. I literally, I literally was like, "All right, well, you got here. Let's let's see, let's see what happens." Hey, well, take the experience and run yeah, with man. it. Like, I got they hired said, for a job in Texas. They said they're going to hit me up next year. Yeah, I got for, hired in for a, a job. Months. I was supposed to start on Monday, but I'm not there yet. So, you know, I had to tell the lady, "I'm like, I could be there in a month." And she goes, "Yeah, we really need you now, though." And I went, yeah. "Well, I can't be in two places at once. And unless you got an Infinity Stone and snap your fingers, I'm not going to be there." <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> what about you, Dookie? What you been up to? 
Oh, well, nothing after that story, though. Uh, It's been a good week. (laughs) It's been pretty good. Uh, Just sealed a deck today. You know, my dogs are still alive, so that's good. If they were listening. He's a real man. Does real man work? Absolutely. Like sealing decks. He's absolutely alpha male out of the four of us. That is 100% alpha male, because I could tell you this. I would not be sealing any deck. I'm calling somebody to do that shit. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't fun, but it's done now. You you know what's funny? His dad did call somebody to do it. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly There it is. Oh, well. Oh, well. But But you know what? It was a good week. For sure, man. And by the way, Dustin, four easy wins. There's going to be four more easy wins because your team's not going to be there. It's fine. The Canadians I mean, are listen, not making listen. it to the Stanley Cup final. I'm going to claim that. They're not, right. but I'm sorry. They're not okay, good. you know what? And you know what? If they don't make it, I am perfectly okay with that. Making it to the, to the semifinals it's still a good of, showing. The, of the Stanley Cup, I'm happy with it. You guys have yeah, tried yeah. chirping me since we beat the Toronto Maple since before we played the Toronto Maple Leafs. Don't and say I'll guys. It's just Aaron. I haven't chirped. Yeah, yet. just me. He yeah, hasn't chirped yet, but he's no, going. You're right. Shit. I'll, he's I'll, keep the, I'll keep. I'll keep this brief because this isn't a hockey podcast. But you guys, <laughs> you and Kevin have been chirping <laughs> me since the, since the playoffs started. I didn't chirp you. Uh, all right. All right. I didn't say I'm, <laughs> I'm the hater of the Canadians. Okay. I'll be real. I'll give it I will Aaron. never. All right. I'll, I'll take. If I can pick. If I could pick between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Canadians as a team to survive, I'd choose death. Let's just put it that way. I would never follow the Maple Leafs, and I would never follow the Canadians. But, Sorry. dude, you, as soon as we beat the Maple Leafs, I said, you know what? If we get swept by the Jets, we, we've we exceeded expectations. I'm good. We we swept the Jets, and I said, even better. Because your boy had his head down, and the best get... player sat in the press box. Um, no big deal. <laughs> That's a whole talk for another day. I'm just going to say, I'm going to leave it on this. <laughs> Montreal got where they got because of you know they put work into it but they did get lucky and fortunate enough to have Tavares go out and then Shifley go, go out dude I'd rather yeah. be lucky so, than good any day of the week and twice on Sunday you watch Mark Stone's get a get a knee to knee hit this week. Help. Yeah. listen you watch the Canadians are a team they're starting they're starting to make I'm getting I have a little inkling of belief starting to grow just just a He's little wake bit. up Caulfield hey Dustin yeah I mean, I know, you, I know you're a big hockey fan over there. You was talking about, you know, Texas. Dallas is the only city in Texas that has a hockey team. So while you, might not, be, while you might not be a Dallas Stars fan, at least you can go check out the other teams yeah. that are coming in town to play. Yep. Mm-hmm. Justin's trying is, is, is giving me all of the, the – before we recorded, he was giving me all of the pros and not many cons of each <laughs> Texas city. Right now, I think I'm leaning towards Dallas right now. I, I think I'm leaning towards Dallas right now, but all right. I have a, I have a quick hockey question for you guys. So I'm not I'm not the biggest follower of hockey, but uh, the Las Vegas Vikings, pretty much a relatively new team. How have they been so successful so fast? Yeah, they're the Knights, though. Just so you know, we'll correct that real fast. Yeah, they're not the Vikings. They're the Knights. No, 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 that's, no, that's like the Las Vegas team. Just the Las Vegas. Yeah, team. yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the team who they are. They are the rules have helped them. Like expansion uh, wise, yeah. Yeah, there's no expansion draft that's ever been done before that was like that one. Okay. And now the Seattle team is getting the same crack this year that they got. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's same why cracking. it's like that. Yeah, they exactly. basically so got the best players that weren't reserved from every team. So when you look at a normal team, yeah, 
they they didn't take the fourth line players. They took the best players they could get from each team. So what they en- ended up having is four second lines. And everybody else has a first, second, third, and fourth. Gotcha. So they're 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 just really solid all the way through because they got to pick from the few players that the team could reserve. Yeah. And there's so th- I mean they were guys up there. They just didn't get picked, so they got to take those guys. Wow. I mean gotcha. the, the mighty ducks back in the day. Like everybody knows the mighty ducks. Did yeah, yeah. on that team? Yeah. You know that's why yeah. the mighty ducks was the mighty ducks, right? So. When that happened, same thing with Nashville, same thing with Minnesota when they came into the league. The way it worked was they took the best collegiate players, the best players in the – like, you know, that weren't already there, the best amateur players. Let's just say that. We'll say the best amateur players. They took all of them and put them on a team and said, here you go. And a lot of the times, some of them were just guys like unrestricted free agents. They're like, I'm not going to sign you. Here you go. Like, you go to this team. So when the Mighty Ducks was formed, and perfect example, Paul Correa, everybody knows who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in the hockey world, most people know who he is. All right. He went to that team and he sat down. And the reason he was the captain, um, I heard a story uh, that got shared a couple of years ago that it was one of the, the locker room speech by a leader was like, hey, guys, nobody wanted us. This is our chance. Like we're a bunch of misfits. This is us being who we like. We couldn't make it anywhere else, but we still have the opportunity. So let's make best of the opportunity that they had. And then you look and see what happens. They made it to the, they ended up making it to the, the Stanley cup final, like so yeah. many years later yeah. against the, mm-hmm. against the devils though. But I mean, that's when the devils were also an extreme powerhouse. You got Scott Stevens that everybody remembers that big old hit that Frankenstein him, and then Korea comes out and scores later on, you know, Dude, that shot that was, was nasty. Oh, exactly. But he did it because he, goosebumps. he, he only shot for the first, like he was just shooting in the middle. Cause you know, he saw three nets for sure, dude. He got knocked out cold and he was out there and I don't know. It's just, it's insane to, to see the way the league has morphed and has made it. So everybody can have their issue. I mean, or gotcha. I can't say issue, but have, have success. It's yeah. they're, they're kind of leveling it off and, it'd be nice to see other leagues follow the footsteps of this new way. I like this. I like it forces cough, the GMs cough, to NBA. Cough, cough. <clears throat> I know, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. NBA, please do that. I mean, it would make basketball more enjoyable than these fucking super teams that we keep seeing. Like, I can't stand that. Same thing with football, football, you know, like, after you, when you start seeing super teams, like you got Antonio Brown, Tom Brady, Rob, Gr- you know, you got Gronk all on the same team. Like, yeah. that's just Kyle, yeah. Kyle Trask. Yeah, dude, air, we could run all to, day. To Tom Brady's. Yeah, yeah. you could run all day. It's it's crazy, you know. But the NHL does a really good job of trying to level it off and make you have to play to the best of your ability. So, I mean, hockey's a silent, I guess, a silent sport, so to speak, when it comes to competitiveness. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's my well, opinion when it, with that. It's the biggest, or I'm sorry, it's the smallest gap when it comes to like talent. So you have like, like you were saying in basketball, you got, you got those powerhouses and you got those really shitty teams. Yeah. But in hockey, it's very close. So when they say like every year you have a chance, every year you got a chance, like every team, there's not Canadians. Right. I mean, they're like, my favorite team is from Detroit and for 25 years, we didn't miss the playoffs. We haven't made it since then. We're going through a crazy drought now, but you could, I don't know. It's just, you could we do said it this the other night. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 insane. It's like the only sport where like at the beginning of the season you're like my team could win and your team could win. You don't know. 
the Kings, the best example, the Kings in 20, in 2012, they were, they were eighth place in the Western conference in the playoffs. They just barely made it in. Yeah. St. Louis too. They beat the Bruins, you know, in game seven, it took it. You can have that team that can be the Cinderella team, like the Canadians, the Canadians could upset the Knights. I don't see it happening, but it could could happen. Exactly. Hockey's hockey. Like you can, like, it's not, it's not one of those games that you can throw. It's not a sport you can throw because you yeah. get your ass beat. You, you, <laughs> you throw it. Yeah, dude. You know, football and basketball is, for the most part, pretty predictable. Like when you, you know, when you see, especially once you get to the playoffs, like once you see how it's set, it's like, okay, you know, it never, it's never really the lower seed team who's going to sneak through it. That, that's very, that, that happens that's very, true. very uh, rare. They'll win so, a game yeah. here or there, but they're not going to win a series. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right, I mean, well, just I one think... small little thing could do it. Yeah. Sorry, man. Go yeah. For it. All right. Well, I think that is a great, a great stopping point uh, as we uh, educate all our listeners to the nuances of the NHL. Yeah. yeah. The, the power of editing will be back in one minute. And we're going to get into Justin Reese's story here on the wet down. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Ray's Marketing. Raise is a full-service digital marketing agency, so if your business needs a fully functional e-commerce website to enable you to start selling online immediately, these are the guys for you. This is your one-stop shop for everything you need. They're the experts that you want on your team. Why? Because they have a proven track record and know what it takes to be successful. Look, if you want to get serious with your business selling online immediately, these are the guys to do it with. They also have a team full of creatives for all of your logo, graphics, and product design needs. Don't waste any more time and visit raisemarketing.com. That's www.raisemarketing.com. Help them help you raise the bar. And we are back with the Wet Down Podcast, episode 34, featuring our new friend, Justin Reese. Justin, welcome back, dude. Hey, appreciate it, man. Loving this so far, man. Let's keep this rolling. Yeah, dude, we're having a great time. You are a, among other things, you are a sports agent. You are on television and you are a lawyer. You own your own practice, right? So I'm a partner in my practice. Uh, okay, you're have, a partner I, in your practice. Yeah, I have three other uh, three other partners that I work with. We do personal injury law uh, based here in New Orleans, but we take cases all over the country, man. What's the name of your practice? Get a little promo for you. No, absolutely. It's the King Firm uh, right here in New Orleans, 2912 Canal Street. All right. So go check them out if you're needing representation. On Canal Street, too. Damn, dude. New Orleans area. Yeah. All right. So, Justin, I say this every week, but this is uh, the time for you to tell your story. We'll jump in with questions. I'm sure we'll jump in with questions. But you can start as early as you want. You can start with the day you were born, or, <laughs> or you can start with yesterday. Doesn't doesn't matter. So tell tell. I know this is a bit overwhelming, but tell us how you got your start in in the journey to where you are now. So I first got started. I was a tingly feeling in my father's loins. Um, <laughs> Everyone, everyone says she that. just wanted everyone a back rub, man. That. That's it. She only <laughs> wanted a back rub. Oh, <laughs> um, just gonna rub his wife's oh. feet. <laughs> that's how I started with a back rub and then boom you know here I am man nine months later oh. um but no no seriously uh you know born and raised here in New Orleans uh I'm actually one of those guys I'm actually very proud of the schools that I go to I have like a lot of pride in both my high school and my college uh, because our alumni 
and both of them are just I mean I, I think we're just like some absolute just like monsters and just to get started like you know I went to uh, St. Augustine High School here in New Orleans St. Augustine Purple Knights and our alumni to me is very dynamic I mean if you look us up I just read an article recently right now we're ranked number 14th in the country with the most professional athletes that have come out of that school uh Two alumni just recently played in the Super Bowl. One, Leonard Fournette for the Tampa Bay Bucks, Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. They both went to my high school. No shit. Yeah, yeah, man. We've That's had crazy. We've, we, we've had some studs that have come that have come through uh, St. Augustine. Another guy you uh, you guys might be familiar with. He's in the NFL now. Trey Turner, who's an All Pro offensive guard, played for the Carolina Panthers this past year. Played for the Chargers. Um, so yeah, we've we've had we've had some 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 really legit guys that have come through. And look, not just in sports, man. And uh, we've had some very talented musicians. This past year, we had four guys from my high school who were nominated for Grammys. Um, and out of the four, one was nominated for an Oscar, and then he actually wound up winning the Oscar uh, as well. Uh, so you know, I, I say my school were very small in stature because we only have like maybe six hundred students uh, in a given school year at a time. But we're, you know, we're very small in size, but very big in stature and uh, very, very proud of my high school. Lots of lawyers, doctors, entrepreneurs as well. And then from there, I went to Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, which was kind of like a, a graduated form of St. Augustine. You know, St. Augustine was an all black, all male Catholic high school in New Orleans, Morehouse, HBCU, uh, all male school uh, based in Atlanta. And the same thing, I mean, small in size, but big in stature, man. We, you know, those schools taught us a lot about uh, leadership, excellence. I mean, they demanded leadership and excellence from us. And like, it was almost like ingrained in us. And, you know, for a lot of people, the listeners who don't, who are familiar with Morehouse, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Samuel L. Jackson. He's one of our famous alumni. Spike Lee, another one of our famous alumni. If you've just seen the movie Tenet, uh, John David Washington, my classmate, also played football at Morehouse. Uh, if you've ever that's watched, the dude that's on Ballers, right? Yes, that, yes, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't know his name all the like. I didn't know his whole name, but thank yeah. you for clarifying that. Yeah, yeah I watched Ballers. Dude, that was a good so, show. Was, and he yeah. was. I'm gonna tell you, man. He's he's actually one hell of an athlete, man. I want to say he still holds the records, all the rushing records at Morehouse. Um, and he had us. He had a stint in the NFL for like two years, two three years, man. With the uh, with the Rams, uh, they were St. Louis Rams at the time, but uh, he's doing well. Uh, another classmate of mine, if, if you ever watched the TV show Atlanta on FX, he plays Paperboy, Brian Tyree Henry, one of my classmates, you know, as well. And there's, I mean, there's, there's several other people, man, for uh, for me to name, but you know, it's it's a lot of pride, a lot of history, and I feel like the reason why I talk about those schools because I really feel like, you know, outside of my parents, those schools really help mold and kind of frame you know, who I am and, and it allowed me to get to where I am today and to continue to keep growing to even get better, you know. Um, and then from there, um, I will say, and I like to be very transparent because my story is not just all glitz and glamour. Like I've had some struggles, you know, along the way too. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> so when I graduated, you know, from college, I was trying to figure out like, okay, where am I going to go to law school? I didn't get the LSAT score that I wanted. I actually didn't do well on the LSAT at all. 
I was in the 140s. I don't remember my score because it was so it was so low, but it was in the 140s. Had a solid GPA, but the LSAT score was was really holding me back. And, you know, I was kind of feeling a little lost, you know, at one point trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do? I got into the law school I eventually wound up going to, but it was provisionally. So I was like, well, let me just, you know, maybe work for a year, try to figure this out, you know, retake the LSAT, try to get my score up. And I'm going to tell you during that year, man, I had, I really didn't have a plan. I was just like, you know, I moved back to Atlanta. Let me see, you know, I'm trying to find odd jobs. I was working at Bath and Body Works in the mall. I was a substitute teacher. I was trying to be a, a bouncer at strip clubs because Atlanta's like the king and like, you know, the, the the hot spot for all the strip. I was trying to be a bouncer at strip clubs. I was just well, trying to- in the South. Yeah, yeah, in the South, for but sure. But no, Atlanta, <laughs> Atlanta, I'm gonna tell you, yes, the South, but Atlanta, I don't think there's anybody that could compete with Atlanta gentlemen's clubs. Nobody. Not nobody. even Vegas or Montreal even, because that's not, what the that's what they're playing out in West out me, in the West over there. Let me <laughs> the, let me let me tell you super something. capitals of the world. Let me tell you something. The shows that those ladies put on is nothing short of phenomenal. I have seen so real talent. It is. I mean, it's it's like real. It's also, real talent. It's awesome gymnast level talent. The things that they could do, gymnast They'll level. Take, that would take my wallet, then. Yeah, the strength, the core, <laughs> all of those things. Like they are awesome gymnast level talent, man. Maybe I gotta start looking for a job in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say. I'll say this one quick story, and I'm gonna get back to mine. So I'm at this one. Oh, gymnast we love club. stories. And this one club probably had like a pole that had to be at least 20 or 30 feet high. I mean, the thing was just massive. It's actually, it was actually two parts of this story, three parts of this story. So the first part, you had two ladies who were both, one was like climbing to the top and they had one lady underneath her. So the one underneath her went completely perpendicular or parallel to the floor, perpendicular to the bar. And she's like holding on with her legs and just laying flatly straight out. The other woman that was on her stood on top of her. And then you hear the DJ saying, we coming down the elevator. And she's slowly raising, like lowering herself from a 30-foot pole while you had a another woman standing on top of her like Wonder Woman coming down the elevator. <laughs> I, I kid you not. Kid you not. The girl at my bachelor party did something like that, but she dropped in a straight split. 15 oh, feet man. and then i was like give her all the money i went everybody <laughs> come over here right now she's the only one that knows what she's doing give her the money oh, man. <laughs> man the second part it was the same two ladies one they did the same thing again but the one that was when she was standing on her she was now standing on the actual stage underneath her she took her legs and she spent her around and she started spinning like a helicopter propeller and you hear the dj's like oh we about to fly out of here Tip these dollars. Where's the oh, PD Pablo? Was oh, it spin your head like around oh, like a helicopter? Yo, dude, <laughs> I have never seen anything like that. And then the third one, uh, it was another, it was another lady who was working there. She climbs all the way to the top. It's like she's like 30 feet high. Like, I mean, this pole is high. And so they have those steel beams at the top of the roof, but the the kinds like you could actually like hang on them, like those kind of steel beams where they have the open faces where you can hold on to it. So she holds on, she turns herself upside down, does a split on the ceiling, and then starts twerking on the ceiling. What? Yes. Spider-Man twerking. That's what they call Spider-Man it. Spider-Man twerking. Twerking. Uh, 
So that's why I say Atlanta, Atlanta gentlemen's clubs. I, 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 I look, I'm not a, I'm not going to call myself an aficionado. I've been to quite a few, but Atlanta by far has been the best shows that I've ever seen. I feel like you have to go, man. Like my wife wanted to go to one and see what it was like. And I took her and she got all the action, man. Like everybody wanted to hang out with her and nobody wanted to hang out with me. And I was like, God damn, dude. But then again, at the same time, I was like, all right, well, I guess I see why that's pretty cool. No, not a big deal. It means I did pretty good if the strippers are hitting on my wife. My roommates were giving giving me shit because I went to my stepbrother wanted to go because he never been. So I, so him and I went a couple of weeks ago. And I was getting shit from my roommates. They're like, bro, you have a girlfriend. Isn't that, isn't that, that's pretty effed up. No, it's not effed up at all, man. Like, that's just, you got to talk to America Tan- was no. founded. To Aaron. It's, it's America only, was founded it's by Bruce. What you it's do okay. in there, depending on what you do. Yeah, in yeah there. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. If you treat it with lunch, like a view dude, or make it a business meeting, it's just work. <laughs> dude, they, they have really look, they have great food there. The wings are amazing. Yeah, dude. dude Wings, just tenders? don't order the fish. Don't who, order the who, fish. Who, who was the basketball <laughs> player last year when they had the bubble? They had the bubble and the guy. Uh, was, James yeah. Harden. Uh, was it? No, no, no. It was another guy. He went to uh, Magic City in Atlanta, and he was like, I just ran in there to get the wings. The wings are good. Oh, no, no, no. Never mind. All right. I was going to say James Harden was the one sneaking out of the bubble all well, the time. He, with he all, just, all yeah, the apparently, apparently he lives, lives in there. But this one guy, it was like they were in the bubble, and he went home or went to Atlanta. And then he ran in there. He's like, "Look, I just went in there to get the chicken wings. I just love the chicken wings. They're so good." Aaron, you got you got to talk some sense into Tanner. <laughs> I guess I do, man. Like I didn't realize that I, you know, I, I don't know. It's not if you think the big public service announcement. If going to a strip club is cheating in your relationship, she's insecure. Sorry. <laughs> and if you don't agree with that. Oh, well, it's the truth. I've been to many and I've been married for five years and I've been with her for almost 10 and I've been to a bunch of strip clubs and she doesn't care. I've told her, hey, we want to go and just do something different. Me and the guys. Do you have a problem? No, I can window shop. I ain't going to touch. I'm not going to touch that anyway. Plus, to me, I know this is going to cause a lot of controversy, but I don't really give a shit. Strippers aren't real. Here we go. Strippers aren't real people anyway. They're on the clock. Like they're just there for money and they're massaging you to be nice. That's it. Like I'm the guy that's like I know selling the dream. Yeah, man. Like all my friends, like I would take some of my friends there, dude, and they're giving money to these girls when they still have their clothes on. I'm like, don't you want to fucking make them work for it first? Like (laughs) seriously, like that's the whole reason we're here, right? So you can give them money at the same time that they're taking it off. Like why are you giving it? You could just give it to all your go give all your give your wallet to your wife. She still keeps her clothes on. It's the same purpose. Like, what's the difference? What I said. What I said. I said. I said, well, well, what's the difference between going to a strip club and porn? You're... Well, that's well, cheating in some people's funny, aspects. I, so who knows? I have a funny story. <laughs> oh, so God. Apparently, my dad, well, his sister, right? Apparently, he didn't know this, but he went to a strip club with a couple of his friends, and then eventually Uh-oh. one of the strippers came so down. So your aunt and is a stripper? Was, <laughs> yes. She was and he your dad on that life. Dance. That's no, no, no. He didn't know until like he saw. So she did. Like, oh, oh. So it wasn't yeah. Euro trip, no, is what no. you're saying? <laughs> oh man, it's not in Alabama, dude. How was Thanksgiving that year, man? Good lord. My audio cut like, out. Oh, this is weird. My audio cut out. Who who gave him a lap dance? His sister, my aunt, my aunt. <laughs> she, uh-huh. He didn't know that she was a stripper and she didn't want to tell anybody. So he went to a strip club with a bunch of his friends and found out 
by he it. couldn't say anything and, oh my god he yeah. had to sit there because he didn't want him to know that it was his sister oh. <laughs> well no she found out she was dancing and she looked up and she was like brother and he's like sister and he's yeah what are you doing who does Seth, that bro? who does that brother oh, yeah right brother sister what are you doing step bro Uh-oh. where's ian dude we're gonna get ian all up on this later all right we, oh. we, we we've gotten off the rails here oh um, yeah go ahead yeah. justin keep running sorry <laughs> that was just too uh, good to pass up that was too good to pass up but uh so so yeah man, i was kind of in this position man i was kind of feeling like a little lost actually man like i said i'm working like these random odd jobs and I reapply. And again, you know, it's one of those things where I'm just like, I just do not take standardized tests well. That's just never have, probably never will. And I tell everybody out there, don't be discouraged. Just continue to push through. So I get into my law school, but again, it's provisionally. And I didn't get into anywhere else. So I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, you know, I don't know what people's religious beliefs are, I guess. Well, this is where for me, I'm like, I guess this is where God is telling me to go. I got to go back to New Orleans. I'm going to Loyola. Uh, what does that my... mean? Pro- what does that mean provisionally? You got so, provisionally. So I didn't get into law school like just outright. Like, congratulations, you've been accepted into like the fall class of 2005. It was like, well, you got a good grade. Your LSAT score is not what it is. We have a summer program that's three weeks long, and if you get uh, or be a better in every class, then you get in. So it was kind of like, it was almost like, you know, this sudden death, but like in law school type deal, you know? Yeah, literally it was a tryout. Literally it was a tryout. You got to make the team. And so I practice squad. Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm on the practice squad trying to get onto the uh, active roster here. And so the the preseason 75 man roster. (laughs) He keeps going with it. And so I do the summer school and by the grace of God, I get in. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I get into law school, supposed to start class on Monday. Hurricane Katrina happens that Sunday. So, so much for starting my first, my first day of class. I'm now in Baton Rouge with my family. It's five of us in a one-bedroom hotel, and we didn't found out the whole city has officially flooded. And I'm like, we all looking at each other like, what are we going to do? And not just because of that. It's not like, you know, Family member, if your house burns down, you can kind of go stay by grandma. You can kind of go stay by this aunt or uncle. Every household of like aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody, we all are in the same boat. We New Orleans all... didn't exist. Yeah, at all. You were underwater, man. Like 100%. I remember seeing that stuff. You were in Atlantis. Yeah. Like I was a senior in high school when that happened. And I remember seeing it all on TV of just like, where's the city? It was just underwater. Dude. Dustin, you said City of Atlantis. That was that. You remember AOL Instant Messenger back in the yeah, day? Oh, yeah. He doesn't. He wasn't alive for that, but we okay. were. I do. So he didn't use it. For AOL Instant Messenger, you kind of had like these crazy, crazy screen names, whatever you want to be. My screen name was Lost City of NO on AOL Instant Messenger. Literally. Uh, oh, that was funny. that. That's good. That's real good. So, so your that, away message must have been like all flood related stuff, right? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. Just and, uh, cruising down the Cajun Army or Cajun Navy. Sorry. No, <laughs> dude, that's literally, I mean, the fact that you could damn near drive speedboats all through the city, literally all through the city was insane. The Cajun um, Navies was saved you guys. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, it really was. People just with boats or any sort of motorboat any, and anything. It, I mean, it was so many people that needed rescuing during that time and needed to be saved because they were stuck on their roof. I'm going to tell you, 
I'm gonna leave his name out of it, but I had a friend of mine whose father passed away in the house when the when the when the uh, flood waters rushed. He's a diabetic, completely wiped out the house. He couldn't find his insulin. Was like, you know, out of it. Obviously, went into like a diabetic shock, diabetic coma, and then unfortunately passed away. And that's the kind of stuff that happened, not just to him, but to a lot of people, man. And it was, I mean, yeah, clearly that's, that's something you don't that, think about. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, that's shit you don't think about the small scenarios that could happen just by something like that. Yep. That, that's, yep. It's crazy to think about, man. It's not yep. just water going into your house. There's a lot more things that can happen. Yeah. And so, like I said, I'm supposed to start class, you know, on Monday, and then this happened. So I'm now in Baton Rouge. Like I said, we're living in this, you know, one-bedroom hotel, and I needed some time to pass. So I went back to working in the mall again. I'm working at Express. It's part of the limited brand, so I was part of the family, so I was able to get a job at Express. And then my law school decided to set up a satellite school at University of Houston. And so went out there, and I'm going to tell you, I probably was not in the right headspace, to be quite honest, man. It was a lot going on with my family. It was an escape. It was an excuse to get away because Baton Rouge had doubled in size, and they were not prepared for that from an infrastructure standpoint. So, like, it was traffic everywhere anywhere at any time of day and i was just like i gotta get out of here i gotta get out of this state so i use law school as an excuse but at the same time was not ready so with that being said my first year of law school i did absolutely horrendous horrendous i was on academic probation after my first semester i had a 1.9 gpa in law school i know that feeling don't worry about oh, it <laughs> let me tell you yeah i've done that look I actually, you know, and I actually fancy myself like a pretty solid student, man. And for me, I had never had, <clears throat> I really had a two point anything. I was always in the threes and I was never a 4.0 student, but I was always at least in the threes. I had never even been in the twos. And then to have a 1.9, I was like, oh my God. So I had one more. So now I'm back on the hot seat again. I've got to get over a 2.0 to stay in law school. They're going to kick me out. So, uh, you know, I get myself together, get my head together, you know, get out of my funk that I was in, started hitting the books, did what I had to do. I get off academic probation. And this is where things started to come around. I still wasn't the best law student, but I had to start figuring out where do my talents lie? Like, where can I really be impactful? Where can I really show what I can do? And I found like, well, I'm not the best student, um, but hey, you can put me in front of a bunch of people and I can speak. I'm good at public speaking. I could talk. I could do all these different things. So I started trying out for all the different teams, like whether it was moot court, mock trial, mediation, all these different, all these different teams. I was like, well, I got to pad my resume somewhere else because uh, my, my GPA is not going to help me here. So I wind up joining the mock trial team is where is where you put on, you know, like a whole trial. And it's, you have a team of four. So I trial for the mock trial team. And we did a competition. We actually wound up going to a national competition. And in these competitions, you have your second years and even your third years. So some, some people even have had uh, experience doing this. So this is my first time coming out, me and my teammates. And we actually wound up winning the national championship uh, in mock trial. First, first competition ever. Won a national championship, beat everybody. Um, which was an absolute amazing feeling. And we... In that competition, we were going against Temple University, which is actually where I wound up going after Loyola to get my LLM. Um, but I found out about them through the mock trial competition because they have the number one trial ad prog uh, program in the country. 
And so uh, we actually went against Temple in the finals and we beat them. And that was like kind of like opening my eyes, like, wow, we just beat Goliath. Because if you actually walk in Temple's Law School, there are trophy cases right when you first walk in the door. And I mean, they just got like trophies on top of trophies on top of trophies in trial ad and mock trial competitions. So did that and took it a step further, won a mediation, won the Southeast mediation competition, went to nationals, unfortunately didn't have the same success, but I won the whole Southeast in mediation. And then I started actually doing real trials at the DA's office. Now, this is where it gets interesting because at the DA's office, more, when you hear law school students talk about their clinic work, they was like, well, yeah, you know, because we're in law school, we only get to do like marijuana misdemeanor possession or misdemeanor uh, marijuana possession cases, like the little, you know, BS stuff. It's like all small petty crimes. No. At that time, the DA, it was like the wild, wild west. We had law students trying murder trials, rape trials, felling with a firearm trials. Like as law students, we're sitting there as second chair doing these trials. I remember I started in the summertime before my last year. So I had a little experience. I come into the fall and I will never forget this day. I remember this vividly. I walk into a section and I have been reassigned. And the senior in that section was like, oh, Justin, I didn't realize you were in my section. That's awesome. You know what to do. I got to drive to Baton Rouge to go testify in front of the legislature. You have a felon with a firearm trial in 15 minutes. The file is on the table. And I was like, wait, what? I'm like, I thought I was just going to help give you some documents today, like just pass you some stuff. I got to go try a felon with a firearm. Like if I, if this guy gets convicted, he's going to jail, like mandatory 10 years. I said, mm-hmm. well, what's, what's the, what's the guy's name? He was like, I forgot the files on the table. Go read the file real quick before, before uh, the judge comes in. I was like, you gotta be joking. <laughs> like, dude, I'm literally about to shit myself. I gotta yeah, prepare that's... for a felon with a firearm trial in 15 minutes. So like, I'm open the file. I'm like frantically going through the file, reading the police report, trying to look at the pictures, all the evidence. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't even know. Wait, is this even a jury? Do I have to pick a jury? Is this like, he didn't tell me anything. Like, I have no idea what's about to happen. And I'm like, I mean, I'm looking at my, uh, looking at my watch. I'm like, oh my God, like freaking out. I'm like, I'm reading through the police report. I'm like, I'm gonna figure something out. So I get a tap on my shoulder. It's the defense counsel. He's like, hey, you think you guys will be open to a plea deal? And I look at him trying to hold that poker face. I was like, I think I am. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Let me go sign off on this right now. Please let the uh, section leader sign off on this. So I go talk to him. They plea him down to six years. And I was like, oh my God. I literally thought I was going to have to try a case by myself. Felling with a firearm trial as a law student. But uh, that was that 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 trial by fire <laughs> that we kind of got thrown into. And so that's we that real it. life legally blonde stuff. Is oh, bro. Saying. Like they it was like literally like, you know, the old school saying you want to teach your kids how to swim, just throw them in the pool and, and let them revert back to mm-hmm. that's <laughs> how we learn how to swim. Yeah. It works. Yeah. Dinky and I, that's how we learn how to swim. Look, dude, I don't know about these two, but that, that was the proverbial like, we're just going to throw you in the pool and just you figure it out. Either you are going to swim or you're going to drown. Pick one. And so, You're like, fuck, this is happening. I got to do something happening. about it. Yeah. yeah. Figure it this, out. this was, no this was happening. This was happening. And so, got through that year, man. Everything was going great, man. And my, look, my law school career even gets even more interesting. So, Kill it, doing great. I get to my last year. We have a, what's called a writing requirement. 
And it's a 30 page paper that you have to do. It's a writing requirement. So I write my writing requirement and it, I was doing like they call like, you could get like what they call a certificate. It's almost like having equivalent to having a minor in college. So I was doing mine on international law and I would do my writing requirement for, for one of the professors who shall remain nameless. And I write my paper, I'm supposed to graduate on Saturday. And I turn my paper in Monday and I'm like, boom, finish law school, I'm done, it's over, I'm good. I get a call that evening, but I missed the call. And I go, I, he, they said the professor wanted to see me. And so I go into his office, this is Tuesday morning. And I'm like, um, you know, what's going on? He says, you know, I had a chance to, to read your paper and uh, you didn't plagiarize, but you plagiarized. And I'm like, what? Like, what does that mean? Am I, and I'm thinking to myself, am I halfway pregnant? Like, what do you mean I plagiarized, but I didn't plagiarize? And he was like, you didn't really write a legal paper. You kind of wrote a political science paper. And I was like, all of my references are cited. Like, I didn't plagiarize. Everything is given credit where credit is due. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about. He's like, well, that's not, that's not, what, that's not how you're supposed to do it. So I had to go tell the dean. I was like, you did what? And the dean said, I should fail you. I was like, excuse me? I was like, you got, I'm, I'm, I, I wanted to come across the table and just punch this little old dude in his face. And I think you should have, to be I honest. probably should have. I probably so, should have. What, I probably should have. What was the issue with the paper? So when you do legal writing, especially when you're talking about your arguments, you get a lot of your stuff from case law, right? So okay. there really is no original thought. You have to have... So based on precedent. Yeah, you have to have you have to have precedent to support your points and you cite it. That is what they teach you in legal writing and research. Everything is cited now. Right. And, like, yeah. And that's literally what I did. Um, to be quite honest, really, your only original thoughts are going to be transition sentences and like maybe a couple of little facts. But everything else is going to be supported by something that you have to cite. And so that's why I was like, he was like, you, he said, you plagiarize, you didn't plagiarize, but you plagiarize. And I will never forget that. I was like, that makes no sense. So needless to say, I mean, I have no position of leverage. I have nothing here. So I have to go talk to the dean. The dean was like, well, you know, you're going to have to rewrite your paper. I'm like, excuse me? This is too, this just Tuesday. cite everything again. <laughs> no, here's where it gets worse. He gives me a whole new topic. Oh, my God. Well, fuck I, that guy. <laughs> dude, he gives me a whole new topic. And usually people write these write this 30-page paper over the course of an entire semester. This is Tuesday. I graduate on Saturday. Now, I had, I had one job offer, you know, with the uh, uh, Day County, Miami uh, State Attorney's Office to go be a prosecutor down there. And then I also got into my, um, my master's program at Temple Law. And I started my, ma I, picked, I picked my master's program over the job and I was supposed to start my master's program. They had a summer portion where it started literally seven days after graduation. So I was like, if I don't graduate, not only do I not have a job, I don't even have a school to go to. Like I'm completely like just effed in this yeah, situation. Man. And so Wednesday rolls around and I have a whole new topic. Now it's no longer even on international law. It's on psychology law. And I'm like, I've never even taken a psychology law class. I don't know anything about this. 
So he gives me a topic and I just start frantically like researching on Wednesday, like as much as I can, highlighting law, reading through the case law to like three, four o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. I start, I get back to the library at 6 a.m., just start cranking away Thursday and Friday each night. Don't finish till like three, four o'clock in the morning. All of these days, I probably haven't brushed my teeth. I haven't showered. I don't care. I'm just trying to finish this thing. And then Friday, uh, Friday rolls around. I sleep in the library. I wake up at like 6 a.m. Uh, still haven't shaved or showered and probably like and brushed my teeth or used deodorant in like four days at this point. And, you know, I'll proofread as best I can. And I'm going to tell you, I was pissed that I had to do this. I actually finished this thing. And so I walk into the dean suite and he was it was 9 a.m. because that's when it opened. I walk into the dean suite. He was standing there next to a secretary. And I literally took the paper and I didn't even place it on the on the uh, on the counter. I literally damn near just threw it at him. And I just walked out because I was so pissed I had to do that. Good. Shit. That is the way to do that. And then and then you show up on yeah. TV a few years later. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and look, Dude, my, heart, my heart was like I was like so anxious to that story. I know like I know I know you make it out and you're you're where Dude. you are now, but but I was literally like I was, was like anxious for you. It was so crazy, man. I'm a, that's why I tell people, man, look, I've had a lot of hurdles. And look, it even gets it even gets more difficult for me after that. Again, it goes back to I don't test well. I can tell you the material. I can explain yeah. it to you. I can even teach it to a class. But just doing the whole testing is like really difficult for me. And so now it's time to take the bar. First time. Don't so pass. Fun Here's the fun part. And look, our bar exam is like one of the longest bar exams in the entire United States. Three days, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and it's eight hours a day. Oh. Yeah, that's why, I, like, you know, cheers to you for doing that. The world needs lawyers, but I, I don't believe in tests. Yeah, dude, the, it reason, was... the reason I don't believe in tests is because tell me a time in life where an employer is going to tell you that you have to get this right without researching it first. Yeah. Absolutely. No one's going to tell you that. They're going to be like, I want it right. So go get a book and figure it out. And exactly. it needs to be right. So and we do sit that here, copy it word day. for word if you have to, as yeah. long as it's right. I don't give a shit. Make and sure as attorneys, right. we still do that to this day. We have to go look up case law and we have to give you an answer. Like, that's just how it works. Exactly. So, so, so that's how I may ask. Yeah. With you going all over those struggles and us, you telling us our, your story, at what point and age, if you don't mind, did you figure it out, like per se, for the listeners that don't know, like mm -hmm. what, like you felt on yourself, like going job to job, and I can kind of relate to that. So, what age do you think you found out what you wanted your career to be? So, uh, for me, being a lawyer, it was something that you know I've always been around. My dad, very well respected lawyer, when I was a kid. Once I got to college, he became a judge, <clears throat> and even a very well-respected judge over the, over the career. So like, it was very intimidating because people would always ask me, do you want to be like your dad when you grow up? You know how you get kind of get those questions. And my so, dad, yeah, yeah my, look, my dad is awesome, man. He he always says, son, you don't have to be me. Don't let people pressure you. You always got to be your own man. But even with that being said, I still didn't figure it out right away because I went into college wanting to be a doctor and all this other stuff, trying to be everything opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And again, it, it was never just a one-time conversation with him. He was always reinforcing stuff. He was like, son, you know, I'm always going to support you if you want to be an educator, 
Do you want to be in business? If you want to be a law, you want to be in medicine, you want to be in politics, whatever it is you want to do, you want to be an entrepreneur, whatever, I'm going to support you. You just got to be your own man. And so finally, I was like, you know what? You know, the meta, the, the pre-med wasn't working out for me. I had to figure out, am I going to go to grad school and maybe get a PhD or am I going to go to law school? And so I was like, you know what? I've always enjoyed the law as much as I want to not admit it at that time. So that's how I kind of decided. Um, now, how I fell into personal injury law, completely different, completely different story, because at first I thought I was going to be a prosecutor. I was going to get into criminal criminal law um, because it's really action packed. Lots of trial work, stuff like that. Well, I finished up uh, law school in 2008, 2000. And I officially finished. I got my JD in 2008, finished my LLM, which is a master of laws in 2009. That was at the height of the market crash. So everybody who was working at these big mega law firms were getting like service packages and getting laid off left and right. People who were working at the different DA's office and the public defender's office were you know, a lot of, there's a lot of transition because they would get experience and then go to private. Well, obviously since private was laying off everyone, they stayed put. So it created a log jam. And so you didn't have new blood coming in, but yeah. the one thing, and on the other, the other irony about this, even applying to law school, I was trying to do everything in my power, not to go back to New Orleans, by the way, I'm trying to go to Miami and LA and all of these other big cities. And I go there for law school and I'm like, well, I'm not going to be a lawyer in New Orleans. Like I'm going as far as away. Like I, I applied to like my got again going trying to go back to Miami or Atlanta, all these different places. Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing that it hasn't taken a hit was people still driving around, getting into car accidents, people, people still having work related accidents. So personal injury was still thriving. So right. I get three job offers at firms in New Orleans, and I was like, well, guess I'm going back to New Orleans. Here I go. And it was like, it was, you know, again, it was kind of one of the, I guess everything, like they say, everything happens for a reason. And I was yeah. trying to do everything in my power to like not come back to New Orleans. And it's not that I hated New Orleans. I just love like being in different places, man, like different cities. I love yeah. big cities. But as, as, as you can see, it all happened how it's supposed to, because being back here, you know, even having the, the struggles that I had with not passing the bar immediately, I've been able to come back. I've been able to grow a practice, been able to grow a really nice practice at that where, you know, I'm resolving literally millions of dollars in, in personal injury claims every single year, representing people. It also led to me being on a reality TV show and doing sports on the side. So, you know, every I guess like they say, it all happens how it's supposed to. Exactly. Somehow That's- or some way it does. Yeah. That's uh, a great a great jumping off point because we're running out of time, but I did want to touch on um your television career you had a show called southern charm how did how did that sort of come around and your opportunity with bravo how did that come about you know that's uh that's actually that's actually a really funny story because um you know my last year of college i had finished everything but i just needed hours to graduate so like i spent all of my extra time in the, in the drama department at spelman conveniently with it being the all all women's school like right next door to us and so uh, so that's where you found your wife, right? <laughs> no, actually, no. She didn't. She didn't. Uh, she didn't go to school uh, with me. We met. We met right, actually when I was in law school. Yeah. Um. So, um, I'm working as a lawyer. Everything is going cool. But my story was, I was always like, I'm the if if I'm ever on TV, whether it's acting or reality, I'm gonna be that cliche story I got discovered in the mall, like type situation. I got I got discovered in the mall, you know. 
And mm-hmm. even though I wasn't quite discovered in the mall, it was a situation where the producers had came down, they had already started talking to some people and then my name got thrown into the hat. And so they reached out to me and they were like, you know, you know, we're trying to put something together. We, we know, you know, you're, you know, these people and you're part of this group and that, and they said, are you interested? And I said, sure. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, I'll go down this road. What's the worst y'all going to do? Tell me no. And then I go right back to being a lawyer oh my God, my life really sucks. So I was like, I'll play this little game. I love your outlook. (laughs) I was like, all right, I'll play this little game and see how far it takes me. And several Skype interviews, several phone calls, even some test filming. And then next thing I know, and one thing about me, if anybody knows anything about Hollywood and how TV works, it's not like a job. They don't tell you, hey, by the way, we're going to go in a different direction. You just stop hearing from them, right? And then even if you they get on TV, you. even if you get on TV, oh, big time, even if you get on TV, you'll film. And then it's when does the show get come out? Because they could film you, do everything, but then put it on the shelf for a while. So, like, I was still, like, I'm still not a true believer until it actually comes on TV. And so going through all of that process, I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it. And then we rolled out. You know, we've done two seasons. You know, it's been fun. It's been cool. It's, it's been emotional. It's been a headache. It's been it's been all of the above. But overall, it's been it's actually been a really fun and really cool experience. Well, you get to add it to your resume now. So like, yeah, that's a, I mean, yeah. I can't say resume because you work for yourself and you're a partner for yourself. But it's just like you said, that experience of life, man, you got yeah. to you got to do a whole bunch of cool shit till now. And now you're doing that. And that's that's awesome. Yeah. Like, it is, it, man. It's, you it's go from super that. serious, nothing but leather <laughs> chairs and courtrooms to now you're on TV and you're all dolled up. You get to do, you know, and have fun. Like you're, it, it, you're it's you. fun. it comes with some cool perks. You know, if there's a, if there's a hour wait at a restaurant, I generally don't have to do that anymore. You know, that's, that's pretty, that's always pretty fun. Pretty awesome. <laughs> you can just walk in and be like, Oh, Mr. Reese right here. We got a table waiting for you. I'm like, I bet you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> They give you the presidential suite everywhere. I love yeah. it. I'm still, oh, I'm still working on that. I haven't gotten quite the presidential suite, but at least I don't have to wait too long for reservations these days. So that's that's yeah, that's awesome. And again, and again, just just before we wrap up, I also, uh, how did you get involved in sports agency, sports uh, representing athletes? Yeah. So um, that that story in itself, actually, I did not want to be a sports agent. Uh, one of my really good friends who had been a sports agent, he's now he's. First of all, he's a brilliant guy. He's an attorney. He's a sports agent. He's also an overachiever. So he was one of those guys that kind of started his career earlier than most because he graduated college early. Um, I think did he finish high school? He may have even finished high school like like a semester early. Graduates college like a year early. Goes to law school. So he's like one of those guys who's like a barred attorney at like 24 years old. And so you know he's you know he was a sports agent. He's from New Orleans as well. And he was saying, Justin, like, you know, you know, so many guys. And at this time, I'm, you know, getting to the latter part of my 20s. Um, and he was like, you know, so many guys that play in the NFL, which was true. Again, my high school, you know, we have a lot of guys that made it. To give you an example, from the guys that were seniors when I was a freshman on the varsity team to when I became a senior and the guys were beneath me, I played with eight guys that made it to the NFL, right? Wow. So, Mm -hmm. so 
they were just like, you, you know, all of these guys, man, they know you, they love you, they trust you. You should be, you should be representing these guys. And I was like, man, I do not want to be an agent. I, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm not trying to deal with personalities. And he just kept on me for like two years, literally two years. To the point I was like, all right, fine. I'll go take the test. I'll be an agent. Let's see what we can do. So literally that is how, but here's, but here's the crazy part. Finally, by the time I took the test, I'm like 29, 30 years old. And guess what? In the professional world of uh, being a professional athlete, that's like retirement age. So now that I'm actually a, a full-fledged agent, all of my friends who are in the NFL are now retiring and are and have moved out, which is like the whole irony of the situation. Oh, They've all moved God. on from, from being a professional yeah. athlete. But what the best part about that is, is you get to use the their experience to help the newer generations come up. Like Bobby Orr, for example, like you're not a hockey guy. We know that. We talked about that. But yeah. he he's an agent now. He takes care of some of the biggest names in the NHL and yeah. he has his own firm and he helps protect the players that are there to give him the right benefits, help them retire. Because we all know the story of Derek Sanderson back in the 70s. If you pay attention, the dude was he was a stud. You know, the mm-hmm. first million dollar guy, the richest guy in sports in the, in the 70s. Yeah. And it's, you know, he went broke. He went bankrupt. And then he started his own agency and did his thing because how many players actually keep their money when they're done? It's, I'm going to tell you, they said this. I think the statistic is two, no more than three years. It's like at one point, it was like 75, 70% of professional athletes go broke two to three years after they stop playing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see so many have so many different endorsement deals throughout their career. So many of them do TV shows and commercial spots and sponsorships and partnerships. There's so much hair that's in between that needs to be done to to supplement what you're going to lose when you're done. Cause that contract isn't guaranteed until you blow your leg out and then it's gone. There's a clause always in a contract. If you're, if I especially, put you on long-term. especially in football, because the difference between NFL and um, then MLB, NBA, those guys' contracts are guaranteed. Whereas NFL is, you might see a guy like, you know, these big contracts where it might be like an $80 million contract, but the odds of him even getting to that 80 million, that's even very difficult because at some point they're going to try to renegotiate to get, get the team back under the salary cap, or they're going to cut them. Or, you know, it's going to be something else. Trade, trade and sign. Like, there's all sorts of shit. It's all kind of stuff. And, you know, if you get cut, like, they don't pay out the balance of that contract. You're cut. That's it. So when you sign with a new team, that contract that comes into effect is going to be, you know, whatever it is you make. And then, obviously, whatever's guaranteed within that. So, yeah, the money's a lot different in the NFL. It's a lot different. Yeah, I was that's, about to say that the show Ballers that summed it up pretty well, like what the kind of stuff that they go through. I tell you what, man, Ballers. Uh, um, you know, you, when people look at TV, they're like, "How much of that stuff is real?" Ballers. I mean, obviously, some things are exaggerated. Yeah. But I think Ballers probably did one of the, the more accurate representations of players, especially when you're talking about at a high level. When you're talking about high end players, when you're talking about uh you know dealing with the fan like the the relationships with the families and you know even like or with even the, draft positions like draft that whole, positions. what was it the third season was just getting that one guy to a better draft position like that's, the entire one and that's uh, tough but i can tell you that definitively the relationship between what you saw with the rock did and as financial advisors and agents and how they maneuver a lot of those moves are made and what a lot of people don't even realize Y'all remember Rashad Mendenhall played running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers? 
Yeah, I know. He was a first round. He was a first round draft pick out of University of Illinois. He was the one who wrote the show. He was one of the writers on the show. And so a lot of it's taken from, you know, um, you know, his personal experiences, uh, other other teammates. And it was all kind of put together. And that's how that's how you guys got ballers. I mean, it does make sense because you really see it everywhere. Like you, you really do. There's so much like Rajon Rondo was broke, very broke not too long ago. And now he's back into the mix. Right. Yeah. So makes yeah. plenty of sense, dude. Like, and he's in the NBA, like he, 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 he won a championship with the Celtics in 08. Yeah. And then, yeah. and you know, making, he made bank too playing on that team back then. He had every bonus that year. He did yeah. everything he was supposed to do. And then he was on the streets, like, you know, doing what he had to do. Now he's back in the NBA again, but that's playing for the Lakers. Right. Or yeah, he went to the Lakers, but um, it's yeah, like that's how that's how that works, man. Like you go, it's so easy to go broke. <laughs> yeah, big time. Well, Justin, thank you so much for coming on. This has been uh, one of my more favorite episodes, one of the probably one of the one of the best we've had. So so thank you so much for coming on. Is there any social media businesses, anything you want to plug? No, absolutely. absolutely. Well, first and foremost, guys, I want to say across the board, man, I appreciate you guys' hospitality. I had so much fun having conversations with you guys tonight, man, just being able to really just kind of shoot the shit as like we've really been friends for like years. Like this is this was just awesome and amazing, man. Uh, and <laughs> love sharing the laughs with you guys, man, and the stories. Um, but yeah, uh, all my social media handles, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, the Justin Reese. You know, very simple, very, you know, it's all the same thing. Um, again, you know, a lot of people, you know, I know a lot of folks have seen me on TV, but I do keep my day job. I am an attorney, you know, personal injury cases all the way from wrongful death, slip and falls, auto accidents. You know, I'm at the King Injury Firm here in New Orleans. So like, I take cases from all right on Canal Street, everyone. Canal Street. So. You, you know, drop I'm, beads out that window behind you? Is that how that works? Actually, our <laughs> office, our office is one on one of the major parade routes. So, so definitely. Oh man! Yeah. We got, hey boys, Mardi Gras. We're gonna go hang out with Justin, yeah. and hey, I'm gonna bring can, him the hey, bottle. Y'all of are Woodford. always welcome, man. Y'all, y'all come bring down. Y'all let me know. All right, all right, all right. Well, Justin, thank you so much for coming on. We had a great time, uh, great time talking, and like I said, this was so much fun. So, thank you so much for coming on. Guys, if this is your first episode of listening to The Wet Down, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, and follow us on social media at The Wet Down across all major social media platforms, and come back for the next episode next week. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll see you next week. Talk about everything and nothing at the same time. Catch us Tuesday afternoon when it goes live. Always bringing something different each and every time. You know that. You know that. Talk about everything and nothing at the same time. Catch us Tuesday afternoon when it goes live. Always bringing something different each and every time. You know that. You know that. You know that.